Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. It's still here. Still here. I haven't haven't gone yet. It's it's happening, though. Don't worry about that. Because, you know, I'm glad that Churn and Spoon is back open. And, of course, Strange Brew has been open with us this whole time. Every time you've needed them during this... uh, during this whole mess we've been living through for the past, it feels difficult to say that it's been the past five months, but it has. Uh, yeah, they've been there, so be there for them. Make sure you're, you're taking care of your local businesses. And, of course, chief among them, Strange Brew Coffee House. Uh, College Corner, still, from my knowledge, from what my sources are telling me, it's still not a, not a problem with them give, giving away this kind of free money they've been doing. I'm I'm not you know certain of a lot of things, but I am certain that one day this special is going to end. And if you did not take advantage of it, you're going to feel like the biggest fool ever. They've been giving it to you for all this time. Why have you not done it yet? I hope that you have. So, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, first off, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> but secondly, go to collegecornerstore.com, buy a gift card there, and they will give you 30% off of that purchase. So you can buy a $100 gift card and only have to pay $70 for it. That is an incredibly good deal. And then when you put it in with some of their other great specials, like the fact that they're running 15% off all baseball-related items right now, well, guys, I mean, it's it's they're just giving it away. You can look sharp in maroon and white when you go to collegecornerstore.com or either of College Corner's two locations in the Jackson area over in the fleet, over by Ridgeland, blah, only over in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, over in Flowood by the Half Shell, and look at the biggest and best MSU selection of merchandise in central Mississippi. Advantage Business Systems knows that right now is not the time for businesses to not be running at their peak efficiency. So you need to find out what 45 years of experience gets you in terms of solutions for keeping your business running the way you want it to, the way your customers want it to, and the way you need it to to stay profitable at these times. You need to call Advantage Business Systems today and find out what's going on with them and find out how they can help you. 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. We got a big show today. This is like the kind of show we would have. This this is a very normal show. Every show we do is big. You cannot miss it. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I'll say that. But what I'm saying is this this is a show that would fit in the middle of non-pandemic. It really would. You know, I only asked like one pandemic-related question in the uh, in the interview I have with David Cloninger from the uh, Charleston Post and Courier. Courier. We'll talk to him a little later about South Carolina. But everything else is, you know, it's pretty normal. Pretty normal. I'm excited. And we're going to start off with a what is an annual tradition going back quite a few years, even before Joel was a part of the podcasting family. Before this thing became the hit that it is nationwide. It the biggest 
thing you can imagine. <laughs> and that's our all 22 rankings. We're going to we create a depth chart and we rank the MSU starters in terms of confidence. And I have no confidence that my confidence rankings will provide any confidence for you. Very good. So anyway, I don't know how that exactly that works. You want to start from the bottom or the top? Uh, I feel like we're both going to have the same like I think we both learned something today that state has a really solid top 4. And then everybody else is sort of a, you can almost grab names out of a hat. Yeah. So let's start at the bottom then cuz that's I where the that's, surprises that's, are. Yeah, I think that's So this is a number 22 for me is Sean Preston. Who ding I, ding ding. Do you have? <laughs> yeah, cuz I just don't know anything about him. Well, and and I don't even know that he's going to be a starter. Right. You're, you know? you're right I mean, about that. Is, is CJ Morgan going to ultimately be healthy and Correct. and and, and well, fill a freshman like Janari Dean take this role? Yeah. Here's here's the truth of this matter. This is where Jerry and Jones is supposed to be. This is this is the position, strong safety, where Jerry and Jones would be had he stayed in Starkville. And I would have him higher up. Yeah, I was going to say, he would he'd not be, be the, 22, probably. He'd be between 10 and 15, probably. That's about fair. So, yeah, with Preston, I just don't know enough. Don't you know. know. Don't even know that he's going to start. I mean, that could be Fred Peters. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned C.J. Morgan. We mentioned Janari Dean. A guy like Kyle Cass. Could he be that? There's just there's a lot of guys. 21st is a, a guy that's, good, you know, could be a guy that I, I've just heard so the last two off seasons now. I guess three off seasons. It's been, yeah, this guy's going to make a big a big impression. He's, he's you know, he looks great in practice, blah, blah, blah. And it just never pans out. And that's Austin Williams. I have him at 21st. I, you know, somebody is going to, he, he may catch 35, 40 passes. But I think that anybody who's setting their sights high for Austin Williams, I, I, that I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with. We may have to go to a Farad Green kind of thing here where he's good. Yeah. But I don't know that his ceiling is, is that high. Yeah. Here's where, uh, quite frankly, I, I don't know if I, if I did an accurate 22 guys here, but we'll, we're, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Peters actually in the secondary okay. along with – Where do you have him starting? Yeah. Uh, See, I just basically put three safeties on here mm-hmm. uh, with Preston Peters and, of course, Marcus Murphy will be on my list later. Yeah, I have Peters, too. I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, I guess Nickel. You've here. got him as the star. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, I put him at 21 here because, again, just don't know. I, I don't know if he's even going to be the guy. You yeah. know, I, I don't know if he's going to be. I thought when he played last year, he played pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, he's kind of in the same boat here that, that Preston is. The more the more I look at this, the more I see I'm just not too sold that state secondary. It's got questions. I mean, it's basically you, you feel good about Marcus Murphy, and then yeah, uh, Emerson played and Williams played. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. they gonna be? No, you're right. I mean, and it's maybe fair. they may it's be fair. outstanding. I'm just saying from a confidence standpoint, if you're ranking these guys, it's, it's tough to put them up anywhere near the top right it's, now. It's very fair. And so anyway, I've got Peters here, but. Uh, Build on you. I've got Austin Williams at twenty. You so, got him at twenty. Yeah. Um, and I, I, we've seen enough from him to think eh, he's he's a pretty good player, but haven't seen enough to put him very high up this. Well, list. you've seen flashes, and he's done some things when he's caught the ball, but he just he hasn't made enough catches for me to to, to say that I want to put him very high. And yeah. that and that's going to sort of go against something. I've got another guy ranked higher than him, but I've liked a little bit more than him. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I have Ty- Tyrus Weed at twenty. Man, we are. Pretty close to Lockstep. Yeah, the reason I, I I like Wheat, I think he's going to be a starter, and I think he's going to play. And I know that the the old staff, Moorhead staff, was very high on him. But for me, 
you know, when we're talking about guys who've never seen play at all, they're, you know, they're 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 freshmen or they're they're JUCOs. I got to look at offers, and Tyrus Wheat's offer list wasn't overly impressive. Yeah. So you know, it feels like you know, if Mississippi State was your best offer, well, you know, the, the, to me, that that says that I should have you down the list from some of the other guys who haven't played yet, but I, I, I have better. Just, their recruiting profile is higher. Yep. Yep. And I got Wheat at nineteen. You got so. him at nineteen. So. So. I think he. I think he can play. You know, and I mean, he might. Ha- he he seems like a high ceiling guy, from what I've been told and what I've I've seen. But you know, just through, I haven't seen it. I got I got to see him on the field. Well, I mean, it's fair, and it's also fair to remind everybody that if you're on this twenty-two for for both of us, I mean, that means that we have you as a starter at the SEC level. Yeah. So I mean, it's, oh yeah, you're you're a good player. Yeah. All these, all these. It's not like any of these guys are just, you know, scrubs. Uh, but yeah, Tyra Sweet. You're ranking these guys one to twenty-two. It's tough to put him much higher than I've got him nineteen. You got him twenty. And I have Fred Peters at nineteen. Okay. Again, guy, you know, this of he of between him and Sean Preston, he played a lot more last year. Yeah, but was never in a, a, a role where you know you depended on him. And now you feel like that's come. And that's a guy who you know from a recruiting perspective that you know, went to the same community college as, as Jonathan Abram, and there was a lot of talk that you know he was going to sort of fill in that role, and that never materialized. You know, Abram obviously is a fantastic first round pick. Uh, Peters doesn't need to be that, but he needs to be. You know, he needs to improve upon what we saw uh, a, a season ago. Bob Shoup was a big Fred Peters fan. Was a huge Fred, Fred Peters fan, and then Peters is a guy. Not only is he a good defensive coach, he's a safeties coach. So he knows his guys there. It just it just didn't materialize for him. Uh, who do you have at eighteen? Jordan Davis. Okay, so you, this is well, it's not a huge gap between you and me on this one, but Davis is a guy that. Well, I mean, why do you have him at eighteen? I'll say well. It kind of goes back to we. I've got high expectations for him, but it goes to the whole hadn't seen it yet kind of thing, and you never know when a guy makes that JUCO leap over to the SEC level. Is he really gonna shine? I mean, you've seen some guys that have, uh, but until I see it, it's just tough for me to put him any higher uh, than eighteen. Um, I, I debated putting him higher. There's a couple other guys that you sh- might could argue I should have put below him, but at the end of the day, I couldn't get past. He hadn't been on this stage yet. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think he has a chance to be really good, but mm-hmm. right now he's at 18. I have him a little higher just because, going back to the recruiting profile, this is a yeah. guy who was committed to Alabama. Oh, yeah. Committed to Tennessee. He had legit offers. Um, I have uh, I have Javante Payton at 18. I think he's going to be starting in the slot. I think the two slot receivers for me are going to be uh, Peyton and Austin Williams to start the year. Um, I, I won't be totally surprised if a Rufus Harvey or Tulu Griffin takes over no. at one of those spots at some point. Peyton last year was a guy that we saw in practice and we thought, this guy's a star, going to be mm-hmm. a great player for Mississippi State. It did not materialize at all. Sort of the same thing with Austin Williams. Um, I just feel like his ceiling's a little bit higher than, than Austin Williams is. Um, and then at 17 is where I have uh, Tyler Williams. Me too. The, uh, the other cornerback for Mississippi State. I was never overly impressed with Tyler Williams, to be totally honest. You know, Dantzler, you look at last year's corners. You know, Dantzler and Smitherman were good. And then you saw some flashes from Jones, from Emerson, and Tyler Williams, but I thought Williams was the, the, the least impressive of the three of those guys. You know, but he's sort of, he, now he's sort of locked into the starting position. I, I think he can be good. It, it's sort of, you know, the same debate. I don't know that he can be great. Yeah, the thing is, too, to remember, he's it's still early in his career. So, yeah. I mean, he could take was a retro sophomore. Um, so, but yeah, I, I've I've got him at seventeen along with you, 
And uh, above him, see here. Here's where I, I may, I may fall too deep down the the rabbit hole of I haven't seen you do it on this stage yet, mm-hmm. and so that that makes me put you a little lower. Mm-hmm. I got Malik Keith at sixteen. Okay, I have Jordan Davis at sixteen. And so I, That's where I, I have him. You, you have him at sixteen. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had Jordan Davis at eighteen. You had Jordan Davis at sixteen. At 16 yeah. yeah, and I've got Malik Keith at sixteen, and Javante Payton at fifteen. So I've actually got Peyton ahead of Heath on my list. Okay. Because I've seen Peyton a little more with my own eyeballs. Yeah. And I know, I mean, like you said, last year in fall camp, he looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I after talking to Spurrier the other day, I mean, he, he's high on Heath too, and they kind of you know they recruited him at when they were at Washington State too. Yeah. Uh, so they they know Heath, they like Heath. I think this is more along the lines of I've just seen Peyton. I got you. And so I've got Peyton at 15, Heath at 16 on my list. Okay. So I had Jordan Davis at 16. 15 for me is Scott Lashley. Okay. Uh, recruiting profile is good. He obviously, you know, should be a pretty polished product. But, the, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, and not that guys who couldn't cut it at Alabama uh, can't be great players at other schools, you know, because you can be – I mean, look look at somebody like Tyrell Shavers, who I, I now just realized I didn't put on this list. Yeah, I didn't either. All right, I got. I might have to make some changes. Uh, ooh, I would. Yeah, that's a big one. He's he's going to start. But I forgot who, about who, him. Who do you put? You, Heath doesn't start. Uh no, no. You you find him a place for Heath. Heath starts. You probably put. You might put Heath in the slot. And take Austin Williams out. This is what not having a roster is doing to us, by the way. If I had a roster to look at, I would have I would have caught that. Gosh. Um, anyway, we'll go back to it. But, but for Lashley, you know, there's reasons to, to, to question him. You know, he, he we haven't seen it. He's been he's been a backup his entire career. Um, now I think he can be good. I think he's going to be definitely motivated to play well. But I don't know. And that might be a little interesting for you. Who did you have at fifteen? You had Heath there. Right? Uh, I had no, I had Peyton. Peyton there. Yeah. The, that that reasoning might be a little uh, interesting for you because at fourteen is where I have Charles Cross. I, I just have to take the fact that he was the number two overall offensive lineman in the class and a five star kid. You have to take that into account. All right. See, they just don't miss on a lot of the five star kids. The the, the 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 scouting on them is usually correct. Yeah. That that's where I I kind of. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but you're talking about Cross. I've got Cross as a top ten guy on my list. Okay, I mean, I've got him, I've got him at number ten. There's on a, my there's list. a reason to, to to buy into that, and so that goes against. I've seen him with my own. T- I mean, I, we saw him in what three games? I think a year and ago. I, mean, I, and, I couldn't and, pick out a single play. I know exactly. So it goes against the whole. I, I value seeing it with my own two eyes, but when yeah. you have one of the only five stars, I think there's been three in the last decade or something like that at Mississippi State. He and Chris Jones and yeah. Jeff Simmons. Jeff Simmons, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it. I guess I just feel really comfortable. Yeah. That most times guys like Charles Cross hit. The scouting is usually correct there. So I have Cross at fourteen. Uh, I have Malik Keith at thirteen. If I were to redo this now, that I'm thinking about Shavers, I would, Shavers would be a top ten guy, and he would bump everybody else down, and I would take Austin Williams off the list. I think you're outside. I I think that, and I could be wrong. But you've talked, and you've talked to, to Echo and you talked to Spurrier earlier. I get the idea that 
the idea of slot versus outside, it's, it's really sort of unimportant to them. They're going to move guys around. It doesn't really matter. And so, you know, Tyrell Shavers at 6'6 could be a great matchup for somebody, you know, in the slot. Uh, but we'll just go with what I have here. I have Malik Keith at 13. Um, I'll tell you one of the main reasons I'm there. Dan Mullen. Yeah. Mullen, this was his top priority guy for, you know, two different classes. He wanted Malik Keith at Florida. Uh, I think we, I think, you know, and I trust Mullen's evaluations. You know, for the most part, he was pretty spot on. So I, I'm yeah. going to have him uh, there. Who did you have at 13? Uh, I've got Lashley at 13, okay. but I, I've got before him. What, did I skip 14 for you? Yeah. Okay. I, here's where I had our. And one of the reasons it's so low is just because I'm not 100% sure who's playing center. Uh, I put LaQuinston Sharp here, but. Maybe it's Cole Smith. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I like all of State's offensive line options for the most part. You know, there, there's nobody that I, I look at on that State front that they could put up there and I would think, oh, I don't know. You know, I, everybody you feel like, well, he could probably do a pretty good job at the very least. Um, so anyway, I've got LaQuinston Sharp as the center. We'll see if that happens or not. When I talked to Mason Miller not too long ago, he praised Sharp for his guard play last year. kind of sounded like – maybe leaning more that direction than center at that point in time. But then again, they hadn't even been on the field yet. So yeah, it, all that was subject to change. So mm-hmm. anyway, I've got Sharp at 14, and then I put Lashley at 13. Built 13. by built by Bama, big old boy. It's just hard for me to believe he's not going to start and do a pretty darn good job. Yeah, Point City. Uh, I have Emerson at 12. Uh, I've got uh, – oh, yes, I have Emerson at 12 as well. So we're both locked and, in there. I liked him. I thought he was he was a good player. I think I think I saw enough from him as a true freshman to think that's a guy who can be a Cam Dantzler kind of player by the time he's a junior or senior. You know, I, I expect I expect him to have a pretty decent year. Yeah, I do too. Four or five, maybe four to five interceptions. Yeah, I mean, of the state DBs, after Marcus Murphy, it's him. Yeah, <laughs> that's just how it is. Uh, we'll see if that confidence gets rewarded, but. He, he is number two brought by Mark, Marcus Murphy when you look at that secondary, and who do you just believe can get the job done? Yeah, I agree. Uh, then who do you have at 11? Uh, Kobe Jones. We are locked up again. Uh, my three three five, my line, you know, you can probably guess, but I do have uh, Kobe Jones starting as one of the ends. Yep, I do too. Um, been a solid player his whole time, you know. Been very steady, very steady hand. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can take a leap forward as a senior and become a guy who can get him you know, four or five sacks. That's all you really need out of him, four mm-hmm. or five sacks. Ten is where I put Osiris Mitchell. Uh, you know, just on the cups, the cusp of the you know, here at the top ten. Again, I would probably, I probably have Shavers ahead of him to be totally honest with you, which is something that's you know sort of surprising because Mitchell caught forty passes this season ago and Shavers caught like six, but. I just feel better about Shavers for whatever. Maybe it's a recruiting profile thing. Maybe it's it's sort of funny that I have a, a little more faith in Shavers than Lashley, but I, I just do. I, I look at he's behind four first round picks. Yeah, there's only so much Shavers can do. But I have Mitchell here at ten. I can't believe I forgot Shavers. Get us a get us a roster. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember, especially and you look at the 2019 <laughs> roster and Tyrell Shavers isn't on that. Yeah, you know, so it's like it just yeah. Um. But, you know, here's the thing with Mitchell. He's just going to get more targets this year. Yeah. He's going to get a lot. He's going to get enough targets to catch 80 passes. Yeah. Can he catch 60? 
If he catches 60, I mean, that's a fine year. Great year for him. So. Yeah. I'll run down my next few here to get to Mitchell. Okay. Um, I've already told you Charles Cross is 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Then I have a, a run of O-linemen here. With, okay. Uh, not really a run. It's just two guys. I, I've got Parker at 9 and Island at 8. Okay. Um, again, I just think State's o- O-line is solid. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I could have flip-flopped those guys and put Parker ahead of Island. I, I don't know. I, I just think they're going to get the job done. Um, so that's where those two guys are. And then I had Mitchell at 7. Mitchell is a guy for me that – no, he's never cracked that 500-yard mark, but every year he's been at State, I feel like he's gotten a little bit better. Um, and I think that this year, given the fact State's going to throw the football 50 times a, a game, mm-hmm. I think Mitchell's going to have a big year. Um, and he's a guy that we've seen a lot. I've seen a lot with my own two eyes. So I know he's a good player. Um, so, yeah, that, that's – when you go with known commodities as much as, as I have on this list – it's tough to not put my Mitchell there. I, I've seen him be a productive player, and I think he's going to be as productive as he's ever been now. So that's why I have him so high. I've got him at number seven. Okay. Uh, so for me, Mitchell was 10. Nine for me is LaQuinston Sharp. I, I thought he played really well a season ago, and I think he'll, I think he'll just slide right in and it'll be pretty seamless uh, for Mississippi State. Um, I've got Dorian Parker at eight. Again, I liked what I saw from him. I, I thought you know the games that he missed uh, yeah. early in the season, it was – it was obvious he wasn't there. So yeah. I thought I thought he you know he he did a good job. And then at seven for me is where I have Marquis Spencer. Gotcha. He's my other end. He's my six. Okay. So. Uh, I, I feel pretty confident about him. So you don't have Island at all on your list. I'm taking it. Oh, I've got him on the list. Oh, okay. You just got it. okay. Keep trucking. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have Island on the list. Marquis Spencer is a guy who to me has shown a lot of potential. Um, you know, he's missed time with injury, but I like him. I think he I think he's an NFL guy if he can have a, a full season. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Who do you have, uh, at, who do you have at six? Uh, six is Spencer. You have me. Spencer at six? Okay. Uh, I had Nathan Pickering at number five. Top five guy. Uh-huh. All SEC freshman or whatever he was a year ago. Just going to keep getting better. Yeah, I, I agree. Big time player. I have him at six. Uh, not Jeff Simmons. Not Jeff Simmons. But maybe can have a if he can have a Chris Jones type college career, that's fine. Be mm-hmm. all SEC guy, no problem. Yep. I think he's got that kind of potential for sure. I have Greg Island fifth. This That's is a guy fair. who's a three-year starter, you know, and I think one of his issues, you know, some of his mobility is is sort of masked now that he's moving inside. They've got him at right guard, I think, and I think he'll be fine there. Uh, I think that he's going to be uh, a, a good guard for Mississippi State. I mean, there's again, you know, I don't know what his NFL ceiling is. I don't know that he even has one, but I do think that he has the ability to be a very good college offensive lineman in his, this his senior year. Yeah. Do you know for sure they're going to move him into guard? I think they are. That's why I got on the depth chart. I got him yeah. in guard, and I got Lashley at right tackle. Yeah. I guess you could – I think having – I think Stuart Reese, who would have probably been on this spot had he been here, Yeah. Uh, I think that that's the way they wanted to work that. Yeah. So that's, we'll, that's where we'll I've got him. I think both of them is going to be on the, the right side either way. Yeah. <laughs> see, we'll see yeah. where they stand. Do we have the same top four? Let's find uh, out. Yeah, we got, we do. No, we I mean, got, are they in the same order? Are the same order? Okay. Number four for you is Marcus Murphy. Marcus Murphy. Yeah, that he's good. He's just a good, good football player, NFL player for sure. Number three, KJ Costello, Errol Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Thompson to me, as as solid as can be, you know. But the my 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 only concern is, have we seen the best of him already? 
Yeah, well, here, here's why I put KJ Costello here. He pickering to be really good again. He does. I put KJ Costello here, not so much because I don't think KJ Costello can be good, but mm-hmm. can the people he's throwing it to be good? He is. Sort that, of that's why. That. That's why I put him at three. I, and not I may two. make a legitimate attempt to track drops this year. I may. I may do that just to see. Yeah. So, uh, I have Costello two, where I assume you have Thompson. I do, and then we both have Kylan Hill at number one. No question, who the number one guy on this this is going to be, returning rusher, leading rusher in the SEC. Uh, he will be a star in in this system when all said and done. I, I, missing Shavers is just going to irritate me. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's not so egregious. I mean, you isn't it? Go- that guy's a starter and potentially state's leading receiver. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess you could make that case for a bunch of guys, though, couldn't you? You could. You could. I mean, if I told you at the end of the year Osiris Mitchell ended up as the leading receiver, are you just on the floor shot? No. No, not at all. Yeah. If I told you at the end of the year it's Malik Heath, are you just totally on the floor shot? Right. No. Uh, so, I mean, Shavers, could he be the leading receiver? Could. Could he be fourth? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and... And fourth would mean he's what like, like ten to fifteen catches off the pace. Not like yeah. it's not going to like be a situation where like state was uh, in twenty sixteen where you had Fred Ross catching eighty passes, and then the next or you know the next guy down had like thirty. Yeah, and it's not going to be like it's been in recent years where your number four receiver had like one hundred fifty yards. Yeah, yeah. Your number four receiver is going to have what probably your leading receiver six seven hundred yards. Yeah, no question. <laughs> so, all right. Well, speaking of the guys who could be the leading receiver this year versus a guy who could be the leading receiver in years to come. Sort of a, a poorly kept secret around the recruiting world, but it's a, a done deal now. Malik Neighbors, four-star receiver out of Como High School in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it Como? Como, Como, I don't know. I'm not going down that road, though. I promise you that. Uh, he's committed to Mississippi State. A uh, lot of good offers. I mean, his offer sheet is is really good. His, his top two were State and Georgia, and he, and Georgia would have taken him. Um, six foot, 190 pound. His stats are crazy. We looked at those yesterday. When we were preparing. We were both writing our articles about him. 58 catches for 1,200 plus yards and 21 touchdowns. Every third catch for this kid was a touchdown. Uh, and that's that's over 20 yards a catch as well. So a true big play receiver, I, I without looking, I can't remember State ever getting two four-star receivers out of State. You know, you remember the, the 2017, 2018 class. They got three four-star receivers, but Stephen Guidry, I mean, he was from Louisiana, but he was playing at Hines. And then you had Malik Heath, and then you had Devontae Jason out of State. I mean, the only two, I mean, and it's sort of interesting. State's best two receivers in the last decade were both out of state, but not in the same class. Teronia Wilson and Fred. Well, no. they were in the same class. They were in the same class. So that's it. So 2013 is the last time. But Teronia Wilson wasn't a four star. I just remember Tim Brewster and Fred Ross. Didn't he tweet something about? He was always tweeting about hot chili or what, what was it? Tim Brewster used to always. Yeah, I'm gonna get your chili hot or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no telling with Brewster, man. That guy's a, a deck of cards. Um, one thing that was noticeable for me in this was that State's recruiting ranking jumped up 12 spots as a result of this. So there's been a lot, so much consternation and hand-wringing about State being so low. It's just because of the lack of players. 
you and I did a little test, and we saw that you know, State was ranked 53rd before neighbors committed. They jumped to 41st with him. Had Deion Smith, the receiver out of Provine who's committed to LSU, just miraculously decided to flip yesterday and he's coming to Mississippi State, that would have jumped him up to 39th. Two players. So, again, and I think I've talked about this a few times, you look at State's average star ranking, if that ranking holds for a full class, they're going to be a top 25 to 30 class. There's just no question around that. that is, it is mathematics. That's yeah. what's going to be the case. Now, the one issue for State is they don't have a whole ton of four-star targets left. Mainly it's the three-star guys, but a lot of guys are going to get reevaluated too. I mean, there haven't been any camps this year. Yeah. So, you know, guys who would have gotten a midsummer bump, you know, a guy, the, the, Corey Ellington comes to mind. You know, big physical kid, could have probably impressed at the camps. And I'm not saying he would have been a four-star kid, but he would have gone from like an 84 to an 87, something like that. Those are things that affect that. So if, you're, if you look at recruiting rankings, and you should look at recruiting rankings, they are a good indicator of future success. Of future success. Yes. The blue chip index is a real thing. It's amazing how the best players usually end up creating more wins. Yeah. It's just kind of one of no, those. There's nobody who's consistently recruited in the 40s for the last decade that wins national titles, wins conference championships. Unless their conference is, you know, the MAC. If you've got a 40, if you're averaging a 40 recruiting rank and you're in the MAC, you're probably pretty darn good. <laughs> but, you know, that's just, it's, it's good players win games. Simple as that. So Malik Neighbors is a good player. Good get for Mississippi State. Uh, they'll probably try to add at least one more receiver. Could they flip Canarius Johnson from Tulane? I'm sure they could if they wanted to go that route. I know Jacoby Moore is a target who's been sort of, you know, been high. People have been high on lately. There's the kid at Kosciuszko, Antonio Harmon, who you know I think that's a state Ole Miss battle. I think it leans towards Ole Miss right now. But she just don't. If State comes out and does the things offensively we've talked about, and you can show a recruit, see that. You can come in next year, and even if you're our seventh leading receiver, you're going to catch 45 passes. That that resonates, you know. If somebody like Neighbors, who knows next year he's probably going to play, knows that as a freshman he'll probably catch 40 passes. By the time he's a junior or senior, he might be catching 80 to 90. You know, so something to watch. Good get for MSU though. Neighbors is a, is a good player. Let's move on into our final uh, topic of the day, and that's our SEC preview, and it's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef, who. Want you to know, you got free weekends that you might as well be cooking. So why not cook the good stuff? Cook some big time steaks on the grill, some big ribeyes or a fillet or strip. And we're talking about the good steaks, locally sourced, grain fed beef, the best that you can buy. Burgers, chops, ribs, brisket, whatever it is. Welcome home beef has got you taken care of. And don't forget, if you're a person, you know, hey. What am I going to put on that steak? What am I going to rub my, my brisket with? They've got a lot of those things up there, a lot of barbecue rubs that are, that are really, really good. So it can be your one-stop shop. They've got the great stuff on the menu, and they're always willing to take care of you and put in those special orders for you as well. Give them a call today at 662-418-2021 or visit them online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and see what they can get you cooking up this weekend, whatever you're cooking when it comes from Welcome Home Beef. One thing's for sure. Just tastes good. Let's go to the Welcome Home Beef hotline. I talked earlier to David Cloninger, covers the Gamecocks for the Post and Courier. This week at South Carolina in the SEC preview, and here on the Welcome Home Beef hotline is David Cloninger. He's been covering the Gamecocks for a long time now with the uh, Charleston Post and Courier. Start with sort of a big picture question. I don't think hot seat's a word we're going to hear a lot this year. 
with everything that's been going on. If this was a normal college football season, would Will Muschamp be on a hot seat in 2020? Oh, sure. I mean, if this was going to be a normal season, I think you'd have to look at his record, which is 26-25 and 25 and a disaster of a 4-8 and eight season last year, and say, yeah, absolutely, he'd be on the hot seat. But you guys know we're in anything but normal. So barring a complete meltdown or some other act of God, he'll be back in 21. Let's, let's not talk about acts of God at this point, David. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see what's next. Um Ryan Alinsky was was very uh, impressive uh, last season. I always thought that Bentley was a pretty good quarterback, but I, I was definitely impressed by, by what I saw from him as a true freshman. What's the next step for him? What, what what do they want to see out of him in his sophomore season? Well, he just needs to get better. And the fact is, is that he was kind of forced into a situation that he probably wasn't ready for last year. Uh, you know, the perfect world would have been to redshirt him, uh, but that was proved possible when Bentley went down in the opening game. So, uh, you know, Holinsky was very good at times last year. He wasn't so good at other times, but again, he was playing hurt a lot of the time. He had a bad shoulder, a bad elbow issue. Uh, he had a bad knee issue, and then you know it, it really uh, kind of affected his game going forward. So they want to see him be a little more confident. They want to see him be a little more consistent, and that's not going to be easy to do considering the rest of the Gamecocks offense right now. But he's got some competition behind him to really give him a run from the starting position, and that might be what pushes him into being a true SEC I like the running back position in terms of, of potential. Marshawn Lloyd was a big-time recruit a season ago. And then South Carolina, if, if I'm correct, got some news today regarding a, a junior college transfer uh, coming in and being part of this 2020 class. What, what's the backfield look like there for, for South Carolina? Well, that's the thing. It's a lot of potential. Marshawn Lloyd, uh, you know, was a guy that a lot of schools wanted, and, and the big-time schools wanted uh, as well. And he decided to come to South Carolina. And Zaquantary White, a junior college and running back, did get cleared academically to come to school today. So he's going to be in there. Um, potential has to be the word because right now there is no proven production. Right. Uh, Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick are behind Lloyd and maybe White. We'll have to see when he gets here. Uh, but, you know, they've done it in games. They've just not done it very often and against really big opponents. So they have a lot of guys that they really like, but none of them have done it in a game. And if you're going to lean on the run a lot, which you kind of have to because you don't have a proven QB or a lot of proven receivers, it's going to be trial by fire. So they're hoping that Lloyd, White, Harris, and Fenwick are the guys they're cracked up to be because if they're not, there's not too many other ways to turn. Do you like this team up front offensively? Do you like the front five? Uh, well, that's where the most experience is going to be. Uh, the offensive line is supposed to be the strength, and they do have a lot of guys who have been in the trenches and played well. And Sedaria Hutcherson over there at right tackle or right guard, he's going to be a guy that plays on Sundays and makes a lot of money doing it. Uh, the thing is, though, is as you guys mentioned, I've been on this beat a long time, and it seems like probably for at least 10 of those years, I've been saying the offensive line is going to be the strength of this team. And there's been maybe one time where that actually happened. So I'm a big believer in history repeating itself. Uh, You just don't know how it's going to be when they get there. But when they don't have anything proven at the skill positions outside of tight end Nick Muse and receiver uh, Shai Smith, that line has got to be good. Because if they're not, they're going to get exposed early and often. Defensively, it looks like there's a lot of good experience coming back. You, you know, a good number of seniors. I like J.C. Horn, but the guy everybody is going to have an eye on, obviously, is Jordan Birch. One of the most inter- interesting recruiting processes of, of the past cycle. You know, how good can this defense be? And then, by definite, I guess by by you know 
going through that, how good can Birch be as a true freshman? Well, the good thing about Jordan Birch is that he will play, but he's not going to be forced to start or forced to be an impact player right away. Um, you know, you can say that Jadavian Clowney didn't have to be that either, but he was so good that he was going to be. We're still waiting to see with Jordan Birch. Nothing against him because he is a big, strong kid, and he had a lot of eye-popping numbers, but he did do it at a private school here in South Carolina where his competition wasn't nearly the same as the kind of competition that Clowney faced when he was in high school. So the good thing is is that they don't have to depend on Birch right away. He's got some guys around him and in front of him, like Aaron Sterling, uh, like Kier Thomas, who got, uh, he was supposed to be gone, but he had a bad hit last year that, that knocked out his whole season, and then Brad Johnson. So Jordan Birch is going to play, but he's not going to have to be that guy that they depend on, so they can't afford to move him around a little bit. If they want to play him as that third-down pass rusher, they can do that. Or if they want to put him with his hand in the dirt, in the dirt they can do that too so there's a lot of options and i think that there's nowhere to go but up for him we're, we're talking about a couple of true freshmen here you know with lloyd on offense and birch on defense that would that it feels like south carolina they're, they're not maybe not relying all the way on them but this feels like a team that you know gosh if if, if muschamp could push through this year he's got a it looks like a solid a solid foundation for future success you know what, what's a reasonable expectation for south carolina this year <laughs> Well, don't ever say the word reasonable, reasonable. around <laughs> Columbia. You know, those two words don't even go together. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's tough to say just because, you know, last year everybody talked about the schedule, and it was brutal. So this year the schedule's not as tough because they dropped Alabama. Oh, and they picked up at LSU. That doesn't sound any easier to me. In fact, it makes it harder. So it's, it's one of those things to where you look at it and say, with all these freshmen, with all these guys that just aren't known or expected to contribute, you might look at six and six and say that's the feeling. Maybe seven and five on a good day. But the fact is is that, you know, South Carolina under bus champ, they just haven't done it. And there's been a lot of excuses for that. There's been a lot of injuries the past couple of years. There's been the fact that he came into a really bad program at the time when a bunch of his rivals, such as Clemson and Georgia, were playing you know, some of the best football in the country. Still, though, they haven't really gotten that notable win outside of winning at Georgia last year, and they've had some just really head-scratching losses. So they've got to prove that they can beat the Kentuckys and the Missouris and the Tennessees consistently before they can even start thinking that they're going to hang with Georgia and Clemson and some of these other teams year to year. And that's what I say looking for this year. How about just go beat Texas A&M? Because yeah. right now they still haven't done it since they joined the conference. If they can somehow pull that off, okay, well, maybe you got a, a little foundation to build on. Last question, and it would be about all the, these crazy times we live in. Do you think South Carolina and Clemson will play each other this year? Yes. Uh, you know, it might only be a four, five, six game season, but I have no doubt that Carolina and Clemson will find a way to get that game on the schedule. I mean, honestly, I think that if they were to say there's no way Clemson's going to be able to play it, Okay, well, that's going to save you a 30-point butt whipping. I mean, that's fine. No, no problem there. But they really want to play the game for the rivalry sake to keep the streak up, that kind of thing. So if nothing else, I think that those teams will get together and play, and we'll see how the rest of the schedule shakes out. hope we see a lot more games than just that one. We'll see what happens. David Cloninger from the Post and Courier, man. Thanks so much for joining me. Good stuff. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Joel. Let's, uh, let's look at this schedule. And uh, see what we can figure out for the Gamecocks. As you know, I'm not high on them, uh, but I, I was I did appreciate the uh, the the positive notice na- nature of the end of that that interview 
when I asked, you know, are, are they going to play Clemson? He basically said 100% that's going to happen. That they'll find a way to get that game played. Well, they make him do pull the old wrestling card and do the unsanctioned match and just me. <laughs> I'm just picturing Greg Sankey having a press conference with Dabo and Muschamp. This match is not sanctioned. Anything happens, we're not on the hook for it. Hell and I sound. Something like that. I like that. I like a dark match. Doesn't count in the standings. All right. Uh, obviously, we're just going to do the full schedule here, and we'll you know we'll see how it played out. I'll tell you right now, he would get fired. Muschamp would be fired in a regular year. Yeah, but, we'll but it's not a regular year. It's not a regular yeah. year. All right, they play Coastal Carolina to start does, the year. Does, go ahead. Before you go into that, do you think anyone gets fired for performance this year at yeah. all? And, and I, I agree with what David said in the interview, and that's unless there's some sort of meltdown. You know, if they go 1-11, and 11, yeah. they'll fire him. But if they go 4-8, and eight, no. they're going to tough it out another year. Yeah, It's just that simple. And that's that's true for everybody. It's true for I mean it's true for Ed Orgeron. They go one and eleven. They're gonna fire him. But yeah, everybody that was on the hot seat got. There is no. It's not as hot. There's no hot seat this year. Yeah, you have to really screw it up. It's on you. You know. So, hey, they're gonna start off one and zero. They'll beat Coastal Carolina. There you go. Uh, Then they have East Carolina. Um, It's not a gimme. No, but I'll give them a win. I'll give them a win. I mean, they lost to App State last year. East Carolina can make that interesting, but I'll I'll give South Carolina a win. So I'll go to have them 2-0, and then they welcome Missouri. Could they they get to 3-0? How did we pick this game? I don't don't remember, but as you asked that question, is it in South Carolina? It is. I like South Carolina here. Wow. So I, I about picked them anyway before I even knew where it was. I just when I hear Missouri for whatever reason, I'm not, I'm not high on them. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take Missouri. To of course, win. I'm not high on Carolina. I, I'm, I'm higher on Missouri. I think I, I, just, I feel like Drinkwitz is a better coach. So you're going Missouri here? Yeah. yeah Drinkwitz didn't he beat? Yeah, he would have beaten uh, Muschamp last year at App State. Yeah, I'm going Mizzou. So two and one to me, three and zero to you. Yep. Then they play at Kentucky. Who they've beaten, I think, three in a row. Yeah, but they're but not, not this year. Here. All right, so two and two, three and one over there. At Florida? Loss. Tennessee at home? Feels like a loss. Texas A&M at home? Feels like a loss. So I'm saying uh, two. Oh, they have a, I've got them at two and five. Uh, I'm three and four. Three and four. Uh, they get to go to Vanderbilt on Halloween. That's win. a win. <clears throat> and then, not the easiest way to finish their season. <laughs> This is, in the world of tough Novembers, this is one of them. Uh, Georgia. Loss. At LSU. Loss. Wolford. Win. The Mighty Terriers. I don't know. I'll say win. And Clemson. Loss. I got them at five and seven. I'm at four and eight. They would fire Muschamp after four and eight for sure. Five and seven, he might could have survived. Um, depending on how he looked in the other games. Yeah. He was close. But... Yeah, I say four and eight in a, on a real schedule. We'll see how it pans out. If they play, if they play, that said, talking about you know, saying what we're saying about uh, active God stuff. If they don't play any conference game, any non-conference games, but Clemson, they would be one and eight on my schedule. That might get be enough. That might yeah, get him fired. And then two and seven with me, so might get him fired. He needs to find a way to win. At least one more game. Well, it depends not. on the financial state of the South Carolina. <laughs> it does, but, it, but and you know who who do you have to blame for that? By the way, who were you competing against to get Will Muschamp? That you had to give him some ridiculous buyout? You know, 
who who was knocking on your door like we might take Will Muschamp from you? I mean, that wasn't happening. You you bid against yourself. Shout out to Jimmy Sexton. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what his buyout is, but they go one and seven, and let's say in the last, let's say they don't play Wofford, right? And the last three games against Georgia, LSU, and South Carolina and Clemson, they lose. 41-10, 38 7, and 51-3. You keeping him around? And by the way, those three scores I just gave you, totally reasonable. Could happen. Yeah. When they allow a full house back at is it Williams Bryce Stadium, mm-hmm. isn't that right? Nobody's beating down the door for those tickets. Yeah. You always hear about how, how South Carolina packs the house no matter what the record. I don't know about all that. <laughs> so shout out to South Carolina. They do have the coolest entrance in uh, all of college football. Yeah. Because it's, it's Ric Flair. Yeah. Woo. It's, it's the good stuff. All right. We're deep diving tomorrow. We're looking at the 1998 football season. I haven't got my second interview squared away, but our first with Kevin Prentice is on, on the uh, – is on the docket, so we'll talk to him and hopefully at least one more player. But we'll look back at MSU's SEC West championship season in 1998. It should be a lot of fun. Talk to you again tomorrow. For Joel T. Coleman, Ooh. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.